I'm really enjoying church in the park. Wow. You just got to see the positive and everything. This is awesome. Fresh air. We've got lots of visitors walking past. I mean, there's more people coming to church now than ever before. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> there, no, seriously, there's people up here that started worshipping and everything. Really? Yeah, while we were going at it, your, your decision to step into what Bex invited us all into, where you stepped into freedom and away from being a little timid, that invited people to actually enter in. Yeah. Just so you know. Yeah. Paul and Silas figured this out. We need to as well. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Okay, so I have a I have a message today. I'm going to keep it relatively short. Hallelujah. <laughs> I have uh, the third and final part of my little series on relationships and friendships. And I just have four points I want to cover with us today because you see, friendship is really the glue that gathers both God and men into our lives. Friendship and relational stewardship is the glue that gathers and connects both God and people into our lives. We have to understand that everything we know is connected through relationship. God, the Creator, connected with Adam and Eve through friendship. Families and marriages before the church was instituted, God created the marriage, connected through relationship, friendship, and love. The Bible says a brother is born for the day of adversity. A brother cannot be there without relationship. Friends in your life, bosses, colleagues, church community is all relationship. And you see, our life will either succeed or suffer by the way that we learn to steward those in our lives that we call friends or that we count as associates, colleagues, or just counterparts. Relationship and the way that we steward the people's hearts, minds, and lives in our life dictates everything about who we are and where we're going. <laughs> Amen? So I have four points. There's other points, but I just wanted to boil it down to four points. And this will be the third and final because I really felt God was breathing a few weeks back on this relationship thing and I wanted to zone in on it. And uh, I just feel like it's been really helping some folks. So this is this is the third, third part. So let's just start here. There's four key points that we have to master. If you're gonna if you're gonna do business or if you're gonna become a professional athlete, whether that be golf or chess or you know, football in the Super Bowl, you have to master key elements and skills in order to stand in the thing that you're standing in. And the same is true with relationship. We have to learn how to master key elements in our relationships that allow us to actually have healthy relationships because nothing has hurt you in your life more than an unhealthy relationship. There is nothing. You can stub your toe, but it didn't hurt like the person that was in your life that betrayed you. You can break a leg. You can end up in the ER, but it's not going to damage you. It's, you can lose money, but it's not going to damage you like a broken relationship. So the way we steward, last week I talked a little bit 
about, you know, what, what do I want in a friend and, and, and what, what don't I want in a friend? And I've added a few points to that since because I probably missed a good section of points that you don't want in a friend. Actually, I'll go back and read those real quick. Is that all right? Yeah. yeah. People uh, who I should not consider to be a friend. A person who lies to me. You got a friend lying to you? They're not your friend. That's right. Come on. Okay. Right. <laughs> a person who abuses trust or my vulnerability yeah. is not a friend. Someone who, like, yeah, let, let me give you a little sad story. I was five years old and I went to bed. <laughs> just being real. That was actually really painful because when you're a kid, you just want to be cool with other little kids and run around, have fun, <laughs> shoot water guns. But I had this painful, painful secret. And it was my first year in what you guys would call elementary school. We called them primary schools in New Zealand. And I told my best friend, Christopher Massey-Borman. <laughs> I was born after him. I was born one day after him in the hospital in the same room. We were very close. He was like my brother. And I told him, I said, I got this little issue. I went to bed. Well, the next day, the whole school knew and I was being mocked and ta taunted at school because he broke trust in something that was so vulnerable that I had entrusted to him. He took precious and made it cheap. Hello? He took painful and made it public. You see, that's something you cannot have in a friend where someone betrays trust and vulnerability. Because when someone does that, they're letting you know that they don't care for who you are. They care for how you benefit them. And in that case, my vulnerability gave him attention. Hello? You see, you can't trust people. That's not a friend. That's a dangerous person. Now, I was five years old. He's grown up. He's an awesome guy. He said sorry to me. Okay. I went to my own personal transformation weekend and took it to the cross. <laughs> okay. Here's the next one, and I'm not sure if I mentioned this one. A person who has no interest in my growth or success can never be my friend. That person can never be my friend. A person who competes with me or sees me as a benchmark to beat. Someone that's not happy for me just to be me and just to do well as me. I'm now the threat to their existence and they have to do better than me or they don't succeed in life. That's not a friend. That's someone that when you're out in the bush and there's a bear that pops up, they're foot tapping you so they can run away. Because I was just the person they needed to be. <laughs> someone get that? Probably not. A person, this is the last point I've written down, a person who constantly fails to initiate a two-way relationship. The people in my life that I'm constantly having to call to see how they're doing, but they never call me back. They never check on me to see how I'm doing. That is not a friend. That's a dependent. Hello? See, a friendship is where two people care for each other, not where one person's carrying the other person. Not where the other person hides until I come, where are you, Adam? Well, I, I was afraid of you, and so I hid. That ain't my friend. That ain't your friend. 
Someone needs to get this because we are rescuers in Orange County. We get validated by how much we help broken people that don't care who we are, what we are, or how we do. And we bypass intimacy with Jesus to do that. Oh, this is hurtful, Andrew. No, it's honest. Anyway, that was the remnants of last week's message. Okay, so can I continue with today's? Thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> Someone having fun today? Good. Let's have some fun. Okay, so there's four keys that I must master in order to steward my relationships. Remember, stewarding my relationships is not being a doormat and not being the chameleon that changes myself to what people are going to accept. If people cannot accept me for who I am with my imperfections and my failures and my strengths and successes, if that if I have to become something else, then you're not worthy of my friendship. You're not. It's not that I'm being horrible, it's just that I'm being real kind to me. Get down, right? Because here's the thing, the Bible, again, the Bible commands me above all else, I have to guard my heart. So why should I give it to someone who has intention to trash it? Well, we're supposed to help everyone. Mm-mm, that ain't true either. Bible tells me that I should avoid bad company because it corrupts my purity. I can visit you in jail but I ain't going to commit a crime so I can be with you. Someone get it to me today. Woo! Someone say that. Woo! <laughs> See, the problem is, is that a lot of people don't want to change. They want to be accepted. You're there to help, or so you think covering up your real issues but they don't want to change they don't they just want to be accepted and in being accepted you have to come down to their level so that they don't feel like you're judging them because your righteousness is an insult ladies you don't need a man that's going to make you compromise kick him to the curb straight up no that's straight up I'm not even being funny about that. Just you don't need him in your life. He ain't worth it. If he wants to live his trash, that's his problem. He's going to have to answer to God in heaven about that. And same with you guys. You don't need to be. You don't need to be trying to lower your standards because some girl's giving you the the work over with her looks and batting her eyelids and and seducing you with her Instagram. She ain't got no self-worth. She doesn't know how to steward her own relationships. So she has to go cheap in order to get something cheap. Don't be cheap. Is this alright? See, we need to hear this stuff real unashamedly blunt. Because otherwise we settle and ten years later we're in the divorce court waking up that we compromised and it was destructive and we swallowed poison thinking we weren't going to get hurt. Well, I can fix him. No, you can't. (laughs) 
Well, if she just stays like that, dude, she was never like that. She just got like that to get you into her world. Once you're in, she's going to go back to who she really is. She's a huntress. That's real. You think you're getting the maximum deluxe package? You just marrying Cruella. Hey, I'm being fair on both sides of the fence here. Come on, give me some credit. It's just that we've learned to settle for low-level relationships. We don't do our due diligence. We get married before we even know their middle name. We put more care into a business deal than a relationship. And we don't realize that business is relationships so we have bad businesses. Someone listening to this? I wish we could have done this in a studio and recorded this and just get this message out because I get a lot of heat for it. But I like that. So the first point that we need to master is we need to master honesty and truth. And you can't give anyone honesty and truth in a relationship sense until you've come to a place where you're honest with yourself. I've counseled so many people that I can tell are telling me what I want to hear, not what's really happened. And it's hard being a prophet because I can see what really happened, but they're telling me plan B story. And the problem is, is that you, I'm having way too much fun. The problem is, is that people can't be honest and truthful with themselves. We, we are our greatest deceivers. We live in fantasy thinking that something like this, oh, he'll change at some point. No, he won't. He's a bad dude. And not in a good bad dude. Oh, well, the government's going to send another stimulus check. What if they don't? You spent all that money. See, we can't be honest with ourselves, so it's really basically impossible to be honest with anybody else. So we have to come to a place. See, honesty and truth is actually a brutal commodity. And in order to be honest with ourselves, we have to have a reality check moment where we humble ourselves and are willing to look at God and say, these fig leaves ain't working. I look like an idiot. It's real. You see, I have to have it genuine in me before I can give it genuine to you. Otherwise, guaranteed, I'm giving lies. Guaranteed. It's not even a maybe. It's a guarantee. So, before you ask it of other people. So, that's why the Bible says, if you want friends, show yourself friendly. So, what does that look like? It looks like everything that you would want from a genuine friend. Or, you're just trying to get friends with benefits that get you into certain circles. Well, if I just tactician myself and navigate into this circle, if I flatter that person, see, flattery is lies. Flattery is lies with a request. Mm. 
Flattery's, flattery is telling you all the amazing things you are, but not all the things that aren't right about you. So that I can get something from you. When anyone's flattering you, they want something. Do not trust flattery. When people flatter me, I just smile. And then I go away and spit it out. Because there's no point arguing with that person. They don't know how to deal with that level of relationship conversation. You just stay quiet. That's the best response to someone that's a flatterer. You just stay quiet. That's the best response to someone that don't tell you the truth. You just stay quiet. Because there's no point wasting your breath. I've got good things to do with my life, people. How about you? It ain't convincing someone that's telling lies that they're telling lies. They already know they're telling lies, but they don't want to be honest about it. (laughs) (laughs) Honesty and truth. This is what I tell people. Truth. See, I I come from a construction background. If you're going to build any structure, what's the most important thing? It's not the roof, the pretty windows, the kitchen of your dreams. It ain't the bathroom. It ain't the walls. It ain't that carpet that you paid all that money for. It ain't that big white hi-fi entertainment system with crazy surround sound even in the bathroom. (laughs) It's the foundation. And the foundation is what you don't see when you're looking at a building. It's under the ground, it's covered. You don't really you, you don't really look at it. You're busy looking at the nice garden. You're looking at the plants. You're not looking at what's actually the most important thing. Even the geese are shouting out at me. Those things taste real good. They're called Canadian geese. That's another story. You see, the foundation is what's below every relationship, and it is truth. Truth is the foundation upon which every relationship is built. And if you have an absence of truth, then you do not have a relationship. You might have a house built, but you don't got a house that's going to be sticking around. Because it's only going to take a little shaking, and then walls are going to start to crack. The roof's going to cave in and you're going to look at all the resources and energy that you built on dirt that has no longevity. And all you're going to do is mourn what you lost. Is someone hearing me right now? I'm talking about relationships. See, if we can become discerning relationship stewards or stewards of relationship, we are going to become one of the strongest communities in Orange County. And that's not a competition. It just needs to happen. This territory deserves a community that's real, honest, authentic, and actually connected. Hello. And if it can start with us, maybe it'll spread. We need to get back to the basics. So truth and honesty, absent from any relation. See, this is my one of my rules. When I catch someone lying to me, this is my no, this has been my rule since I've been 20 years old. If you lie to me, you are prepared to steal from me. If you lie to me, you are prepared to steal from me. Because deception and theft are friends. Think about it. When did you ever see the person that stole something come and say, hey guys, 
I just want to tell you, I got your stuff. Yep. Come on. <laughs> hey, by the way, I'm coming over tonight. You'll be asleep, but I'm going to take a few things. Because if they say that to me, I'll be waiting in the living room on the, on the sofa. I mean, I could have been holding a guitar. Stop accusing me. <laughs> But honesty and truth, absent from any relationship, are a relationship you must withdraw from, or you will be the victim. Every time. Because, answer, answer yourself this, who gets hurt when deception is present? The deceiver or the deceived? Point in case. I rest my case, sir. So you have to watch those that are willing to deceive you, lie to you, and withhold moments of honesty. <coughs> Someone that's willing to not be honest with me is willing to do almost anything. Because they are willing to, to violate their own basic Holy Spirit unction conscience to lead me into a false reality that I have willingly given trust to. You have to... You have to steward this. See, a lot of people, what we do is we're so loving Holy Spirit God people that we just give everyone extra points. Well, I just love covers a multitude of sins, guys. Yeah, let's read a little further. Love also rejoices in the truth. You can't just have love covers without love rejoices in truth. Because otherwise you're covering a never-ending story with a flying dog. <laughs> Hello. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you look at me like, dude, you're weird. <laughs> they had to be there. <laughs> Falcor or something, was it? Oh, Jesus, help us. Okay. So, honesty and truth is number one. The second point. The second point is this. Actually, just following on from honesty and truth. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 19. Proverbs 18 and verse 19. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. See, and, and it goes on to say, and contentions are like bars of a castle. Contentions are like bars of a castle. They're, you don't go anywhere with the contentions. See, I, I, I was told many years ago and this applies to, to particularly men but this also applies to male and female but but the American uh, military has a tank a particular tank called a Sherman right. you guys heard of the Sherman tank yeah. and the Sherman tank actually was a very well designed tank it went up against tanks much bigger than itself it was able to maneuver incredibly well it had a high speed in the battlefield but it had one vulnerable point like most tanks do the hatch you see, and once that hatch was closed, you actually had a very well fortified piece of weaponry that was almost impossible to penetrate with exception of a direct hit in a couple of spots. But what happens is, is that, I'll just use men for now, but we all can relate to this, is that a man's heart, or you could say a woman's heart, is like that Sherman tank, able to withstand a lot of stuff, able to withstand, you know, being bombarded, difficult terrain, uh, difficult uh, scenarios and circumstances and, and adversities, 
But the thing is, is that vulnerability looks like the hatch opening to someone that is trusted. But if that person that is trusted throws a grenade down, down the hatch, untold devastation and, and damage and loss can take place. And what happens is, is in the battlefield when that's happened, the hatch closes again. And it's never going to open for that person again. And we have to guard our relationships because if we abuse people's trust, the likelihood a brother offended is harder to win than a walled city. It's almost impossible to get back inside that tank. Unless you're so wounded that you've just blown off the hatch and you let anyone come in and out of that tank. We have to start becoming... <laughs> All creation cries out. <laughs> In that case, quacks. But, but, so is everyone getting my point? We have, that's why the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart. Truth and honesty is an irreconcilable thing for me. I, if truth and honesty is not there, it's a deal breaker. And it must be a deal breaker for you if you want to have a happy life. Unless you're so compromised and so deceived yourself that you're happy to be deceived as well by others. I pray that's no one here. Okay, point number two. Confiding and discretion. You see, some of us, if not all of us, have been hurt by someone, somewhere, sometime, somehow. And so we have to learn how not to treat someone from yesterday for a good person today. We have to make, well, God, you haven't hurt me. <laughs> we have to make sure that the people from yesterday that maybe caused that hatch to close and caused me to be wounded, I can't now treat Nicole with that suspicion from how I was treated last year. Hello? Because otherwise we start punishing good people. And good people that are healthy know better than to trust your mistrust. Yes. Wow. So we have to make a decision to become vulnerable and confide even our deepest, darkest secrets in the hope of seeing growth, momentum and forward movement and healing. If that can't be achieved, then we will repeat the last cycle. Have you got people in your life that you looked at them? I do. There's people that I went to high school. I think I mentioned this. There's people that I went to high school with that I look at them 20 years later. And I'm like, dude, you are still exactly in the same place. And that ain't a good thing. You're still drinking the same beer on Friday. The whole box. Hello? Your goals haven't changed to make it to the weekend. You're still in debt. You still got no friends. It's still sad. You see, I don't want people like that in my life as far as close. If I can help someone like that, yes, from a healthy place, but not someone that I would call a friend. Hello? We have to know the difference. We. We, we've been reprogrammed by Facebook to call everyone friend. Everyone's my friend. No, they ain't. Mm -mm. Some of them want to use you. Yeah. 
Some of them want to abuse you. Some of them want to be abused by you. It's that messed up. It's that messed up. There are people that want you to abuse them. They will force you to try and use them somehow because that's how they feel wanted. That's, if some of us may, if that idea, if that's making anyone ping, I ain't looking, I'm looking at the grass. <laughs> but if that's helping someone, we need healing. <laughs> see, see, vulnerability, vulnerability actually builds a bridge of trust. Now, if you want to build a bridge of trust with someone, because one of our problems is, is we find someone that we like and we jump kid in, and we're like King Hezekiah that shows the enemy all of our treasures on the first day. And the prophet comes to Hezekiah and he says, you fool, everything you showed them is theirs now. Hello? See, we have to learn how to slowly release trust. We've, we've become weird with how we just jump in headlong. You see, you see some dude, he gets interested in a girl, never see him again because now they're borderline married two weeks later. And he don't even know her middle name. And they're taking little couple pics. And, and I'm, not, I'm not digging in. I know there's people dating in the church. I'm not here to dig anyone. But this is what I am here to say. If you jump in deep, then you didn't listen to Elvis's song. Learn how to take it slow. I know it's exciting, whether it's romantic or it's just platonic friendship. Learn how to take it slow and stop letting your emotions run you into BFF status when it's two weeks in. My dad didn't do a lot of things right, and I think I've mentioned this before, but he told me this advice when I was younger, and it's one of the good things that I've taken away from my relationship with my dad. He said, if you, and he was talking about girlfriends at the time, but it it relates to every single relationship. He said, you'll never know who she is until you see her mad, Andrew. Because the way she stewards you when she's angry, is she going to punish you? Or is she going to explain to you what you've done? Hello? Or is she going to pretend like it didn't happen and be quietly bitter? You need to figure out how they steward your mistakes, not how they celebrate your benefits. Because everyone's going to celebrate your benefits, but how are they going to steward your mistakes? And that relates to every... See, so when we jump in deep, we're, we're, we're bypassing so many checkpoints of levels of intimacy that really should start super low level as friends bad word that really should start just as people hanging out but we jump straight into commitment level conversations and looking deep past the the the, the pupils into the, the eyes of the soul for a romantic relationship and you know girls make him chase you if he gets you easy, he'll treat you cheap forever. You think I'm lying? It's a fact. Because men are hunter-gatherers. Even IT people. <laughs> Instinctively by nature, a man is a hunter-gatherer. Fact. 
And if he can just walk down to the dollar store and get something for a dollar, he'll never treat it like he walked into South Coast Plaza and paid three grand for it. Just a fact. You won't either. You get it. That's why I use South Coast Plaza. But, but, but the reality is, is that stop giving up the fact that from a romantic point of view, if I can just hone in that, I'm going to come back to relationships in a second, like platonic. Don't let him know that you like him. If he says, hey, I'm into you, say, okay, we'll see how it goes then. Play hard to get. Some of you dudes are mad at me right now. But it's for your own good. Is someone getting this? Don't just give it up easy. Don't tell him like, hey, yeah, this is totally God. Like, just chill. Go back to your room and do that. Don't let him see your A game. Hello? Hello? Just be that cool, stealthy, like, yeah, okay, maybe. Go talk to my pastors. You're going to go talk to my dad? Well, no, it's, it's 2020. Okay, cool. Bye. You're going to be a man or you're going to be a boy? You don't want no boy. So the same is true with platonic relationships. It's like, okay, cool. You, you guys are buddies. You went down the bowling alley or the skate rink or you went surfing one time or you started talking and you like that same like metal band from back in the day. Like, dude, that does not constitute a relationship. That constitutes a coincidence. See, the, the greatest relationships come at a cost. And that's why you don't have many. Because few are willing to pay the price. Whether platonic or romantic. Because most people, most people want intimacy, but they don't want to give up vulnerability to get there. Hello? They don't want to tell you their struggles. They just want to see you on your best day. They just want to see you. They just want you to see them on their best day. They want to talk about their victories. They don't want to talk about their defeats. They want to talk about the things they're proud of, not the things they're ashamed of. I remember I was dating this girl before Bex, and she says, Tell me about you. So, you know what I did? I told her all the things I wasn't good at. She's like, what are you doing? I said, well, if you want to really get to know me, or do you just want to get to know me? (laughs) Hello? See, we need to be a little bit more smart in the way, smarter in the way that we enter, navigate, and steward our relationships. How am I doing for time, baby? Great. Okay. I'll wrap it up soon. Someone getting something today? Yes. Thank you. I don't want to use the word profile, but we need to profile people in our lives. I don't know a better word to use. Forgive me if that's an offensive word. It's not to me. Because I qualify people that get close to me. That doesn't happen by mistake. It shouldn't for you either. You shouldn't let people, well, we just started hanging out and one thing led to another. Mm -hmm. Okay. That sounds like a disaster. I'll go get some popcorn. <laughs> and a coke. <laughs> Especially if what I'm saying you're recognizing, like, oh yeah, I've done that before. Oh, 
Yeah, so if there's a trail of this stuff in your life, we have to wake up and start to rectify things that have been going off. Hello? Because if, if what's that old that statement? If we keep doing the same thing over and over and expect a different outcome, it's the definition of madness? Yeah, I don't know. It applies here real well. So if you find a friend, don't sit down on the first day and ask them the 21 questions. But observe them because remember people know how to tell you what you want to hear but the best inf- information comes by observing habits by listening to what comes out of their mouth because out of the abundance of the ma- of the heart the mouth speaks so I don't need to ask you questions I just need to listen to you long enough I just need to watch what you do not what you say I'm gonna watch what you do because we come from a territory where people make the most noble speeches where people know how to wow people with these really beautiful statements and we need to we need to allow that in but we need to pay attention to what's done and said later i like watching people in groups because when they don't think they're being watched, they're being watched. You watch how they treat the people most vulnerable. You watch how they treat the people that can benefit them the least. You watch, this is great for romance too. If you, there's a guy or a girl that comes into the church that you're interested in, watch how they treat the person that's having difficulty. Or do they only veer towards the cool, good looking people? Hello? Are they only in it for the, the social networking to be in a certain kind of group of people? Or are they taking care of the person that's the least of these? What you do for the least of these, you do for me. See, I want someone that's after the heart of Jesus. Because if they're after the heart of Jesus, I know that I'm not perfect, so I can't expect perfect from them, but at least their heart's after Jesus. So they're going to make mistakes with me. They're going to, you know, say something that just came out wrong and I could take offense, but I'm going to have an understanding that their heart's after Jesus. And because of that, we can do life. Okay, so from that, in the relationship, if it's purely another person gathering information from me, but never giving information or vulnerability to me, I've got a problem. Hello? It has to be a two-way street. If you're the person that every time you sit down with a brand new relationship, you just tell your whole life story for four hours, and they're sitting there, sitting there cold Starbucks because it's that long. <laughs> it's going, mm-hmm. that's not a relationship. That's someone listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a two-way street. If they're being vulnerable, they're probably trying to show you trust. There needs to be trust coming from you too. But they just have to be quiet long enough for that. Hello? Okay. So that was point number two. Confiding? I have... A friend is someone that I have to deem trustworthy enough and there's obviously different levels of that trust, different levels of relationship, friendship, where I can trust certain aspects of my vulnerability or my humanity. Hello? And if I don't feel safe, like, man, are they going to go tell someone? Are they... It's different in a church context where you've got leadership that need to talk. That's different. But I'm talking about someone like my little friend Christopher Massey Borman. When you find someone like that, 
You have to know, okay, well, that person's not trustworthy. Trustworthy. Worthy of trust. Okay, so we invest wisely with our vulnerable confidence or our, or our, our confiding, okay? Number three, the third point, is conflict resolution. You have to master, whether it's marriage, dating, friendship, employment, church community, just a bunch of friends hanging out. You have to master conflict resolution. And a lot of the times, this is where communities and people groups throw each other away. Because the pain of conflict resolution is seems too expensive than the price of the relationship. This is why you don't have cheap relationships. Because when a hard day comes, you want someone that's going to fight. And it has to be two people fighting, not one. Two people fighting for the relationship. Even in disagreement. I don't want to have a friend that I've now confided in, I've invested in, I've been vulnerable to, I've figured out if I can trust... I don't want to get to the point in the relationship where they are prepared to throw me away because they did something that was really unhealthy and I'm calling them out on it and now they're prepared to walk from the relationship because they're cowards and not willing to talk through the issue. Hello? See, so we have to be brave in relationships. And if we get there and the person only wants to punish us, and not listen because in conflict resolution there has to be a resolution there has to be a solution there has to be repentance to each other and there has to be you know humbling each other but before that can happen we have to understand each other and in order to understand each other we have to realize that just because I see it this way doesn't mean that my my perspective is the only right one We have to stop and listen to both sides of the story. And when we're listening to the other side of the story, we can't listen weaponized like a lawyer on the bench figuring out how we're going to dismantle what's being said and how we can respond. We have to listen to understand where our friend's heart is at. So we know how they feel and we know what's happened in their process of even if they're wrong even if you know they are totally messed up broken and wounded you have to understand what's going on in here for them and what like you might know oh this is a trail of wounds but you still have to understand because if you don't you're only going to just steamroll them and like personalities like mine i have to be careful with that if you've got a strong personality you got to be careful of that because you can easily override it. So we have to listen to understand, not under, not listen to respond. Come on. Hello. Come we on. have to do this. this is basic stuff, but we have to do this. Amen. So we have to understand. See, my friends are committed that no matter what the price is, we are going to be faithful to each other and walk through any storm or disagreement or adversity 
and look out for the longevity of the relationship because I don't want a friendship that is, has a short shelf life. Because, because as you grow and you get older, you realize how expensive friendships are. They cost you a lot. And it's done in joy, but you get to a point where it's like you start getting 5, 10, 15, 20 years deep and you could never see life without that person. And so you have to want truth and you can't be prepared to compromise, but you have to be ready to understand. Both parties have to be heard and there has to be a discussion. And sometimes both parties need to be heard and emotions and tensions are so high that there needs to be a time out and come back together and talk it through with your friend. Now, in this situation, I've, I've had to deal with this a few times before where you are not heard. And that's why we've got Matthew chapter, nine, uh, Matthew chapter 18 in the Bible. It says, if your brother offends you, go to him and him alone. But if he won't hear you, or if he keeps repeating it, then take a couple of people and go back to them and say, okay, we need to talk. If they won't hear you, or they just keep repeating it, then you bring it before the elders of the church and then eventually the whole church. This is the scripture. Okay? So hopefully, getting to the end of that trail is in less than 1% of occurrence. Because it's opening a process or a filtration to actually at some point find a way to get a resolution. So, so you know, at times conflict resolution is not possible because people have hard hearts, unrepentant hearts, or they just never cared in the first place. You were a benefit, not a friend. Hello? And it's okay to come to those conclusions. It's kind to yourself to wake up and stop ignoring their incessant plea for you to see their signs. Because some people keep telling you so loudly, but you're not wanting to listen. Because you want to be loving. But that's not love, people. Love is connected to wisdom, not stupidity always so we have to pay attention to the messages people send because they mean those messages look once in a while a whoopsie accident cool no worries wash it under the rug but when it is a repeated issue that is a toxic element in my life that's affecting my peace it is badly stewarding my heart and while I'm believing for restoration and healing and forgiveness I can't be an object of abuse either. Can we be healthy? We must be healthy. So conflict resolution is an art form. I could spend two, three sessions just talking about the science of conflict resolution. I don't have time, so that's why I'm just very briefly rushing over the surface of conflict resolution. But we have to be invested. See, love is war. And you're going to have to fight for your friendships, your relationships, your marriages and work through moments of great pain or emotional discomfort not throw people away and move on to the next people like facebook and tinder is currently teaching people well that got uncomfortable swipe 
And it's always everyone else is the problem. It's always, I mean, if you listen to people, oh, like, like I think I mentioned last week, there's this girl that was in my high school. I wasn't close to her, but there's a whole bunch of people from our high school that have added friends and things like that. And I just watch people's lives out of fascination. And this girl, man, she's gone through so many different boyfriends in the last five years. She's my age. She's gone through so many different boyfriends in the last five, six years, maybe longer. And every time it's this big blow up on, on social media about how terrible these people were. Three months later, I found the one. Every, it's trippy to me. I mean, we've all, we all see this stuff. And then there's like three, four, I mean, like it's so bad now. I don't even, I barely knew it, but I can tell you her pattern. Because it's about three, four months of these really romantic, amazing pictures. And then it just goes like life as usual. And then in about 12 to 18 months, it's going to be this enormous blow up on social media. And all their friends, oh, what's happened, honey? <laughs> Sending love to you. No, it's not them, it's you, girl. It may be a bit them, but stop pointing the finger. See, that's what pain does. That's what rejection does. That's what wounds do. It's always everyone else that did it to me. It's this woman you gave me, God. Oh, it's this serpent. It always points fingers. It never says, what is in me? Like David, the heart of David. Search me out and see what's broken in me, God, so I stop repeating cycles. Yeah, that's good. See, other people are going to move on from your life. That's okay. Learn what you need to so you step out of cycles and you stop repeating processes with bad relationships. Because some of it's you. It takes two to tango. That's real. That's not a fantasy. That's real. It's not, oh, he's manipulating. No, that's real. You had a part to play. The problem is, is pride. This is what the Holy Spirit told me once. He said, pride is the bodyguard to shame. Pride is the bodyguard to shame. So when there's brokenness, wounds, rejection, uh, uh, repeated cycles, we get proud exteriors with strong statements and strong uh, explanations. And it's always everyone else. Instead of, well, maybe there's something I need to work on in me. Hello. Jesus, can you please help me? Because I'm done with this. I don't want to live broken life. I don't want to be hurting people in my life. I don't want to be hurting by people. Maybe it was me that let the wrong person in too close. I don't want to walk around walled like an ironclad tank where no one can get in because that's just as broken. But at the same time, I don't want to let just anybody in. So I have to start living conflict resolution with the chance to win a friend because like, you know, me and Pastor Jeff, we've been friends for about nine, coming up 10 years now. And we have, like we have, if you've ever been around us, we laugh and joke and all kinds of stuff. Played a little bit of Call of Duty over the years. We've had a lot of fun. He's been to different nations with me. It's been great. But that doesn't mean we haven't had disagreements and had some big misunderstandings. Oh, God, are you serious? Oh, maybe dwelling places. No, hello. I'm just being honest about what you won't be honest about. See, we have in life, in me and my wife, we have issues. Well, if it's not picture perfect, I'm out. I, I grew up going to Disneyland every weekend because we had a family pass. Yeah, and you live to live, you learn to live in a fantasy. 
I'd rather live in the real world than in some candy-coated Mickey Mouse farm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Highly offensive warning. <laughs> I love it. Oh, YouTube's taking that down for hate speech. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting ready to land, I promise. I'm trying. Siri's trying to talk to me through my phone. Shh. Yeah. See, the thing is, the relationships that you walk through offenses and misunderstandings and conflicts for become your most valuable possession. Yeah. When people are on their deathbed, they don't call for their safes and their bank accounts to be empty and brought into their room. Right. They start calling for the friends right. that have fought for them and they've fought for them to come and stand with them in that moment. And if you're in this church, raise you from the dead. Come on! Hello. But that's the people you want in your life. Not the people we've never, like I watched this pastor once, it really ticked me off. We've never had an argument. We've never had a problem. And I just looked at him and said, you're a liar. Because that's just straight deception. You just want to get more, more ratings on TV. I'm sorry. Get off my channel. I want that crap. Because real relationships are gritty, they're at times inconvenient, they are abrasive, but as iron sharpens iron, guess what? The only reason that iron sharpens iron and that sparks fly is because there's two rough edges getting a little smoother. And in the process of the abrasion, we get better if we don't reject the other person and blame them for the way we feel. We have to learn that people aren't disposable we don't throw away relationships unless those relationships are demanding that we question their integrity by repeated habitual abuse of trust see that's the difference see i've got to put that disclaimer out because the rescue in you wants to say see we don't throw away relationships yeah true (laughs) that don't abuse us continually i can deal with the mistake and humility and repentance I can deal with forgiveness, but I can't deal with pride that keeps covering stuff up and thinking that I'm a doormat. Someone getting this? See, can we be healthy? We can be healthy and do this. Okay, last point. I promise we're going to land. Dude, I got lunch in like two and a half hours. I'm so excited. (laughs) The last point, the last point that we have to master in relationships is forgiveness. See, the, the thing that God can do that we can't is that when God forget, forget, uh, forgives, He forget, forgets like it never happened. Yeah. Our problem is, is that we forgive, but we remember. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just a little reminder that you're still fallen and broken. Yeah. We forgive, but we remember. And, and so we have to learn that the person that sinned against me and hurt my feelings or betrayed me or whatever that looks like, they get to be forgiven. Now, this is a multifaceted uh, point here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through it. Firstly, forgiveness is not condoning abuse. Yeah. It's never condoning abuse. <laughs> forgiveness is setting you free from the poison, whether it was repented of or not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not forgiving them until they say sorry well actually you better because you're just shooting up poison 
So what you do is you choose to forgive. See, Jesus was on the cross getting nailed up and he wasn't waiting. He's like, listen, these soldiers are just a real piece of work. They've been spitting on me all day. They've been whipping me all day. They've been pushing me up a hill. They've been cussing at me in different languages all day. They've been mocking me and now they're nailing me. I'm not forgiving them. Like you can't, if you can't see that coming from Jesus, it better not come from you. So he preempts the whole thing in order to keep his heart pure. And, and I felt like Holy Spirit, I didn't feel like Holy Spirit told me a while back is that the hatred was trying to get inside of Jesus. Yeah. Understand that. Yeah. Well, because Jesus was tempted in all points, we were. Yeah. We are. Yeah, yeah. So the hate that was coming at Jesus, this word's real applicable for what we're living in. Yeah. The hate that's coming at Jesus is actually trying to enter Jesus' heart. So Jesus preempts a response and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And he speaks this divine regal moment of forgiveness from a place of compassion, not revenge. Father, show them who's boss. Father, you just get them back in hell. I forgive them. And we said, Father, forgive them because they don't understand what they're doing. See the, see the regal compassion? It had no, that's why he said to the Father, Satan has nothing in me. Because Satan was trying to get inside Jesus. You see, in, in relationships, we have to learn to forgive before sorry is said. Because sometimes sorry ain't coming. Sometimes sorry's just not coming. It's just that bad. Okay, and, some, and, and, and newsflash, some people are evil. Some people in church are evil. They got the wolf, they got the sheep's clothing, but underneath they got the little wolf teeth. And they'll come at you. They got wicked hearts. They do. I'm telling you, Kai. They, they really do. And we have to be discerning. Because here's the deal. Even if they are devils, even if there's like undercover evil person in the church, we forgive. Because we're sons and daughters of God. When someone that I gave my confidence and my vulnerability to betrays me, I have to discipline myself because my personality, I used to cage fight. I want to get down. I do. I'm just being honest. I'm just being real with you. I want, I mean, not, not necessarily physically, but I want to get down with getting them back. Does that make sense? But I have to harness my emotions and discipline myself to forgive because if I don't forgive, God can't forgive me. It's the ultimate self-love therapy. It is. It's the ultimate. You have to forgive. Forgive us this day as we forgive. Or what I would suggest, forgive us this day if we forgive. Is probably what that is a better interpretation. So, so we have to choose to forgive other people. Second point in, in the forgiveness category. When I forgive, I am not condoning what they did. I'm forgiving for me. See, the world thinks that forgiveness is all about benevolence. It's not. It's self-care. I forgive for myself. Because the second I forgive, see, forgive means foregoing the right of justice. But we need justice, yes, just not from you. 
Because in a court of law, it would be called a conflict of interest. Hello? Well, the victim actually is also a uh, aggressor in the story, Your Honour. Oh, okay, so it was a revenge killing. See, what's better is if Big Brother gets involved. We ever in school, little kids beat up and you say, I'm going to go get my daddy on you. I'm going to get my sister. I'm going to get my big brother on you. Hello? You see, forgiveness is when we release our right to have revenge. Because you do have a right to have revenge. It just won't take you to heaven. It'll make you feel good for about three, four seconds. I think I mentioned this recently, but I watched this interview with these like nasty serial killers on death row and they were like getting interviewed like a week or two before they were going to be executed in America and one of the same questions was asked to a lot of these people when you killed those people especially in the context of like revenge killings did it fix the problem and they said for about 30 seconds and then it all came back but the person was no longer there so I couldn't actually put my hatred towards the person that was now dead so you can't fix your hatred, revenge, sentiment, wounds, anger, rejection, pain, betrayal by revenge. You have to fix it with forgiveness. But it doesn't make them right. When I forego the right to revenge or the right of justice, I'm now letting Jesus be my vindicator. Now, the problem is, is if you've truly forgiven you'll stop watching eagerly waiting for the hammer to drop. Because we've all done it. I'm, I'm telling you, we've all done it. We've been like, get him, God. We've all grimaced up and like, we're, we're still full of hate. We haven't forgiven. We just said the words. Saying the words and disciplining your heart are two different things. See, there's been things, I think you guys have heard me before, but there have times, particular occasion in my life, I had to forgive that person every day for two years before it broke. It just took that long because it affected me that much. You've got to learn to forgive That's until right. it doesn't hurt anymore. Say their name. You see, so a lot of the times, God's justice will take decades because you'd want God to be that gracious with you too, right? Amen. You'd want God not to get you the next week. So true. God takes decades to bring justice. Even the book of Revelation says, I gave Jezebel the time to repent. But God's going to give Jezebel the time to repent. Best know He's given your friends some time. Work on your forgiveness. Okay? Last point on on the forgiveness thing is that the Bible says that a friend that repeats, a person that repeats a matter separates even the very closest of friends. When you forgive and it keeps reoccurring, you have to keep forgiving. Remember Jesus? 70 times 7, Peter. But that doesn't mean that the relationship stays intact. Because we have to pay attention to some of the signs that people are giving us. Because if I keep forgiving for you to keep messing with me, now if I'm I'm 50% to blame, I'm going to stick around until I work me out. But if it's all you and you keep abusing me, we're out, buddy. I'm done. Yeah. Good. 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 We had to do it to very few people. 
Most people that I'm friends with, they walk out of my life, I don't walk out of theirs. But there's been a couple that have just been hell-bent on being abusive or taking advantage or slandering or abusing vulnerability, abusing transparency. That right there is a closed curtain, bud. I just shut my tank lid on you. You ain't getting back in, it's over, it's done. Well, that's pretty intense. No, it's self-care. I love me. Some of you need to say that. I love me. See, that ain't arrogant, proud, weird, or dysfunctional. I'm a beautiful thing that God made. I ain't perfect. I got some bumpy edges. But I'm a good thing. And so are you. And I need to care for it like God made it. Hello? I'm not a piece of devil trash that can just be kicked down the alley by a friend. Now, if someone in the world, I've been in, I've been street preaching before and people come up and just fully five, five-handed slap palm me in the face and punch me straight in the face and spit in my face. They're different. That's a stranger. Yeah. They ain't mad at me, they're mad at Jesus. Yeah. Hey, you want the other one? Because that's what the Bible tells me. You want another one? Now I'm a duck a little bit. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Hello. But that's that's a different category. Hello. See, they came to lay hands on Jesus and kill him many times, but he he went all ip man on everyone and just slipped through it. Okay? But the right time came and Jesus was the lamb slain for the sins of the world. You aren't to be the lamb slain every day for your friend's dysfunction. So we have to, I'm going to close right now. I hope someone's got something, but we have to choose our friends so wisely. I pray that you culminate these last three weeks together and become discerning. Be the friend that you would want. See, if what you're hearing from me, some of this dysfunction has been coming out of you, make some adjustments. Talk to God. You can shift things in your life that are broken with the help of Holy Spirit. But it's going to take some discipline. You know, if you want people to be your friends, stop complaining you've got no friends. It's like, you know, you get around certain people and it's the same negative Nancy chat every five minutes. It's like, you ever been around that person and all they do is talk about their woes and pain and suffering? It's like, dude, this is awesome. Not. I don't want to be around that. Like, I don't mind comforting those that mourn, but if you want to live in the mourning phase, I, I can't deal with that, dude. You ain't my friend. I'll visit you. I'll bring you chicken noodle soup, but I ain't, you ain't invited for the barbecue. Come on, go there. I'm not trying to create an elitist thing or an exclusive thing. I'm just saying that like, like barbecue with everyone, yeah, everyone's invited. Barbecue with three of my closest friends, that, ain't, that person ain't coming. Yeah, that's right, that's right. We learn to guard our hearts. And in doing so, we actually go further in life. Remember, I'm going to close with this. I said it last week. The five closest people to you influence where your life is going and how far you will go. All right, let's, let's just stand. We're going to close in prayer. I hope someone's got something today. Father, I thank you that the whole synergy of the kingdom of heaven is knitted together with relationships. And you told a story about the three servants that were stewards of the talents. And I just pray, God, that as relationships are one of the talents in our lives, you would teach us how to be master stewards, master caretakers, and master love givers and love receivers 
in our relationships in Jesus' name. I pray that you would cause a heightening of discernment, a heightening of eyes being open and awakened to principles and morals and integrity, stuff that we've been talking about, God. That we would become good at learning to be quick to forgive. That we would be those that build on truth and integrity. God, that we would be those that learn how to be vulnerable and transparent so that there's not a constant mysterious element and that people can see us for who we are. I pray, God, that you would teach us because you are the best friend in the entire universe. That as our relationship with you grows, that you would teach us how to grow our relationships around us and that people would see Jesus in us and not brokenness. We thank you that you're healing our brokenness, our wounds and our discomfort. But Father, we know that's not where we're going to stay, that we are in a process. You are loving us each in our different phases in life and that you are raising us up, God, that our broken places will be great places, that our areas of weakness are going to become strong. So I thank you, God, that this church community is going to excel in the way that we steward each other, we steward our friendships, that we become great friends that friends would like. And that in doing so, God, that we would also reap the greatest friendships in our lives that would strengthen us in our personal lives, in our romantic lives, God, and as a community and as individuals that are called to do great things for heaven in this life. In Jesus' name, we love you. And I pray the blessing of heaven on everyone here and everyone listening. In Jesus' name, amen.